and welcome back to the Politics Unbox podcast. My name is Reese, and it's time for episode number 75 of the coronavirus update section of the podcast because, yes, in case you missed it, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Boris Johnson, has been making statements most of yesterday. Um, one statement to the House of Commons, one statement, uh, one press conference um, to sort of the, the general public, broadcast on the major news channels. Um, and yes, it's it's time to, to jump back into this coronavirus uh, saga. It's been going on and, and on and on, and the end, unfortunately, doesn't seem to be in sight yet. But without further ado, let's have a look at the coronavirus updates. So yes, welcome back to the Politics Unbox podcast um, and to the coronavirus updates section of the podcast, which I haven't actually um, touched since, I think, August. Uh, I know I, I... I had a long, long break over September. Sort of had a, a circuit breaker on my own podcast, as they're calling some of the the lockdown measures in uh, in Scotland and the rest of the UK. Um, but here we are. We are back again to talk about the coronavirus pandemic because, as I said, it is it is just not going away. Uh, you know, Donald Trump said it would be gone by sort of April and, and May when it all got warmer again. That is. Uh, unfortunately, just not uh, not there. Anyway, uh, what happened yesterday? Firstly, in a, a statement to the House of Commons, and then questions from MPs, and then in a press conference to the nation at around 7 o'clock, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Boris Johnson, although in this particular role acting specifically as Prime Minister of England, because public health is a devolved issue, um, gave the newest updates on what was to become a new system of lockdowns. And um, this system is split into three tiers, um, with every part of the nation put into one of these three tiers, although this tier, this tier system is only for England. There are um, sort of equivalencies being being made between... Um, tiers 1, 2 and 3 and other measures in place in other countries of the United Kingdom but officially they are only in place in uh, England but what are they? so firstly um, tier 1 is called the medium risk tier so they'll be interchangeable if I ever say uh, in the medium tier it'll be a tier 1 and that's the lowest of these tiers. Tier 2 is the uh, high risk or high tier. And tier 3 is the very high tier. So what are in each of these tiers? So um, areas with the lowest rates of infection, they are obviously in tier 1. And that is just the, the basic national rules currently enforced. So a 10pm curfew on hospitality sector. And the, the rule of 6, so the number of people who can meet up, being applied both indoors and outdoors. So that's what we've sort of been learning to live with over the last month or so. Now, areas in, in Tier 2, they face extra levels of restriction, so you are not allowed to mix between different households indoors, so unless you are in a support bubble, 
with uh, other people. You cannot meet anyone else indoors. Um, but the rule of six continues outdoors. Now, if an area of England was subject to local restrictions ahead of this change, they will most likely be in tier two. Um, it's been interesting to see some of the, the areas that we were expecting to see in Tier 3 pop up in Tier 2. So uh, the, the Greater Manchester area, we've been seeing headlines coming out of Manchester, uh, especially around the university area, for, well, over a month now, nearly. Um, and yet they are in Tier 2, not in not in Tier 3. Uh, other areas in, in Tier 2, Cheshire. Um, the areas of Greater Manchester, so Manchester, Bolton, Bury, Stockport, Tameside, Trafford, Wigan, Salford, Rochdale and Oldham. Um, and of course Warrington. Um, in Derbyshire, uh, the High Peak area and other areas in Lancashire and uh, Yorkshire and the North East. Also including some of the Tees Valley and the West Midlands and Nottingham. So quite a wide ranging number of, of areas in this tier 2 but it's not exhaustive and it's not all of the ones we expected like I said um, most of the country is still falling into tier 1 by the way uh, that's why there's no list of all the, the areas in tier 1 because it is quite a long long list now the highest level of restrictions being tier 3 those will be the areas where transmission is rising rapidly um, any area where that's happening we're placed in this category now, currently, the Liverpool City region uh, is the only area facing Tier 3 restrictions. That's Liverpool, Knowlesley, Sefton, Wirral, St Helens and Halton. Um, they will have these restrictions once they come into force on the 14th of October because they're going to be debated in Parliament um, on Tuesday the 13th, which is today, as this podcast gets released, and uh, hopefully be in force by Wednesday the 14th. And those restrictions are uh, pubs and bars will be closed. Um, the only exception to that is if they are only serving alcohol with meals. Not just pub snacks, not just desserts, um, meals, full meals. Um, households will be banned from mixing indoors or outdoors. Gyms, leisure centres, betting shops and casinos will close. Uh, although shops, schools and universities will remain open. Um, and those three tiers are just in place in in England. Uh, in Scotland, they have their own um, sort of. They've called it a circuit breaker lockdown, where areas in the central belt, about 3.4 million people covering 18 local councils and five health boards, will be under um, quite strict lockdown measures. Um, masks compulsory in communal spaces. Um, pubs and restaurants only allowed to serve. Uh, non-alcoholic drinks and food indoors from 6am until 6pm and um, will close thereafter uh, but outdoors they can continue to serve alcohol uh, up to the national curfew time of 10pm um, but of course those those measures just in Scotland focusing on England as indeed the Prime Minister had to in his role as Prime Minister of England which so often we've seen him uh, revert to uh, it is just this this new tier system that has been introduced and yes um, I do agree that there is a need to streamline this national approach because there have been vast vast discrepancies across um, well across local 
regions. Some people can leave one region under heavy lockdown to go and visit someone else in a region under a lighter lockdown and then come back as normal. Other people can't leave their area to go and see other people. It's It's been a little bit of a, a mess and a, and a hodgepodge, and that was the one downside of this increasingly localised COVID fight. So this, this national streamlining is very important. But I, I do wonder about the differences between tiers 1, 2 and 3, because especially between tiers 2 and 3, they are stark. Um, tier 2 is... is in essence, not too much different from Tier 1, um, just a, a suspension of the rule of six indoors and some uh, minimal restrictions on other areas. But Tier 3 involves a total shutdown of the hospitality sector, essentially, um, and could involve greater restrictions and the entire suspension of the rule of six indoors and outdoors. Which begs the question, why couldn't there have been uh, sort of a, a an extra tier so as to, to better fit certain areas into uh, these stages, because uh, additional to that, it seems that some areas that have been lumped into Tier 2 maybe deserve to be in Tier 3, and some of them deserve to be in, in Tier 1. If there was just that extra stage in the middle, it might help to, to iron out some of the creases. And let's get this straight, there are creases in in this system. Uh, and we haven't even talked about the Chancellor's job support scheme. Um, which I'm sure I will get onto soon, but um, yes, there are there are also holes in that one as well. But what I do want to talk about uh, are some of the reports coming out of Sage, how the scientific advisory group for emergencies that um, these scientists have been um, recommending a six-week or a four to six-week national quote-unquote circuit breaker lockdown, uh, and they've been doing that repeatedly over the last few weeks. Now to stress, this is not what this is. Um, the tiers are a step towards lockdown and a step towards making it more applicable, um, potentially more the people more receptive when lockdown uh, comes or if lockdown comes. But it is not a national lockdown. It is not a national circuit breaker lockdown. Despite the number of COVID cases being, uh, or the number of recorded COVID cases being very much higher than what we had on the 23rd of March when we went, uh, when the Prime Minister uh, spoke to the public through the the TV conference um, to introduce this national lockdown, and our hospitalisations from COVID nineteen are um, certainly over uh, the uh, the number of hospitalisations we had when the announcement to go into the first national lockdown was made. So, is this circuit breaker needed? Is this period of lockdown? the thing that we really need to to be taking a look at, because cases are rising. Uh, we've seen the data from Professor Van Tam at 11 o'clock yesterday and from Chris Whitty at 7pm. Uh, we know that cases are rising. We know the R number is above 1, and that therefore, uh, according to all of the scientific models and the government's models, cases will continue to rise. Um, and it is interesting to see some of the... Uh, well, some of these developments just just falling short of what we might have expected had this been at the start of the pandemic. Now, of course, there are there are arguments that say, oh, well, we we can't go into this a second national lockdown; it would be disastrous to the economy. Um, it could cripple our recovery. Uh, it would mean the government has less to available to to fund these measures in terms of what we're being consistently labelled as unprecedented uh, business support. Um, 
But if the message has always been to save the NHS, and protect the NHS and save lives, well, are we? We've we've seen reports coming out of ICUs and an A and E ward saying they are they are full. They are filling up to levels that they had not seen, and uh, since the the first peak of infections, we we just don't know. Now, something I also wanted to say, and um, I was watching the Prime Minister's statement do the House of Commons. I don't know how many people were, I don't know how many people switched off after the Prime Minister made his statement and didn't listen to some of the questions from opposition members and indeed Conservative members, but I I found it... I, I found it deeply worrisome listening to the Prime Minister. Not in terms of, of worried about my own uh, personal health, but in the in the manner in which the Prime Minister was answering questions. Now I know that politicians of all parties equivocate and they all deflect questions and they all try and um, switch attention from issues they're not comfortable talking about to issues they are comfortable talking about. When we're in the middle of a, a national health crisis, such as the coronavirus pandemic, an international health crisis, such as the coronavirus pandemic, it only takes a little wobble for people to start losing faith in a Prime Minister and in a government. And it wasn't just a little wobble today when answering questions, it was a large wobble. Now I know the Prime Minister has accused uh, Keir Starmer of playing party politics with the pandemic. But I felt that the the real party political player in the statement today was not leader of the opposition. It was leader of Her Majesty's government and the Prime Minister. Uh, it was Boris Johnson. And I was deeply saddened by that. Um, you may have seen my post on the Instagram account in which I, I detailed my my feelings about the Prime Minister's answers. But to the specific questions, he was not even giving general answers. He was giving platitudes, platitudes and, and slogans when there should have been policy and substance. Um, now, I have a, a, a vested interest in the, the fate of Exeter University because that is where I am currently. And so I was enthused to see uh, my Member of Parliament for where I am now, uh, obviously I wasn't here when the, the election took place, but he is currently my Member of Parliament, Ben Bradshaw, asking a question um, specifically regarding students at the University of Exeter in um, relation to coronavirus. Because yeah, it, it gives me no pleasure and no particular pride to say that the, the council ward surrounding the university is in the top ten in the country for the most cases of coronavirus. But it is an undeniable fact. Um, and we've seen it at universities up and down the country. Um, but where I was hoping for um, substance and for policy and for ideas from the Prime Minister, I was told that students are part of the backbone of our fight against coronavirus um, and that the government will continue to support uh, such efforts for the public health. And, and that wasn't an answer. And on so many of the issues, there has not been an answer. Um, we've seen attacks 
on the Prime Minister from Labour Party front bench, from Labour Party backbench, from Liberal Democrat front bench, if they have a front bench anymore, uh, and from the Conservative backbench. And it gives me no pleasure to say this, but there has been a notable vacuum of firm leadership. The the strong hand on the tiller that we need throughout this period is not here. Um, Boris Johnson has always wanted his opportunity to be Winston Churchill, to lead the country through a great national crisis where Britain could emerge victorious and, and prevail over the, the forces that would seek to uh, to subdue us. All politicians have some sort of uh, hero or ego complex. It's it's part of the, the job description. But let history note, when we look back on the coronavirus pandemic, Boris Johnson has had his chance to act like Churchill. And by word he has squandered it. Now, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying a Labour front bench would have done any better in this unprecedented crisis. To say so would be um, complete political hypothesis. And as we have seen, political hypothesis is something that's going very, very swiftly out of fashion. We can't make predictions. But based off the evidence that we have, this tier system is almost certainly woefully underprepared. Um, somehow, the area I'm in is in tier one, despite, as I said, the ward in which I inhabit being in the top ten for coronavirus cases in the United Kingdom. I like that sinking. Um, we don't know how well the job support scheme will work, um, and the only answers we seem to be getting from the Prime Minister are... Um, short, sloganistic defences of policy. Yeah, there's not too much more to say. The coronavirus pandemic is with us for the foreseeable future. That is a sad reality. This Prime Minister and this government have a lot to do in order to win back the faith of the British people. I feel that to be another reality. Now maybe we will find this tier system to be remarkably effective in combating the coronavirus pandemic, at which point I would be more than happy if I would be elated to eat my own words. I just don't feel like it will be there. We've already been told previous lockdown measures would be enough to flatten the curve of cases. The local lockdown, the sort of whack-a-mole strategy the Prime Minister announced in August and September, we're told that would be enough. It hasn't been. I hope for our sakes and for the sakes of the economy and public health that this new strategy is enough. 
but I am not hopeful. I'm sorry to end on this rather somber note, but it's it's how I, I see the reading of the situation. Uh, and I would be I would not be being true and honest if I didn't say it as I saw it. Anyway, that is all we have time for today on the Politics Unbox podcast. So I want to thank you very much for listening. I hope to see you all again soon for the next episode of the podcast. And until then, goodbye. Mm-hmm.